Fashion and beauty are serious business. On this podcast, we will hear from amazing creative entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore their unique success stories, learn from experts, and hear about their journeys. Steve Jobs famously said that, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So let's get crazy. I'm your host, Ann Zuckerman, and this is the Just Wanted to Ask podcast. Ladies, have you ever had one of those uncomfortable headlight moments? Don't you want to be heard without distraction? Bezzy broad discs are your solution. Go to justwantedtoask.com and look for Bezzy broad discs. Hello, everyone. I'm excited today to welcome Matthew Brackett. Matthew Brackett delivers insightful coaching and education to leaders between the ages of 35 and 55 who dare to be courageous, integrate their personal and professional lives, producing all around increased well being, performance, and results. Born the 10th of 13 children in a small New England town, Matthew left home at the age of 18 on a mission to serve in formal religious ministry that led him to Italy, Ireland, England, Colombia, Chile, and Mexico, along with a few years of active duty as a special staff officer and chaplain in the U.S. Navy, where he served sailors and Marines. He transitioned from 30 years of formal ministry to life and leadership coaching and education in order to continue to serve human development and growth in varying professional sectors. Thriving in cross-cultural organizations, trilingual, with a global mindset and well-versed in cultural and human diversity, his quality services build on decades of deep knowledge of human development and leadership anchored in study, service, and experience. Welcome, Matthew, to the podcast. Thank you, Anne. Thank you very much for the introduction. I didn't remember I sent you all that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so wow, 10th of 13 children. Now, you must have developed amazing negotiating skills during your years of growth. Well, it's either negotiate or or just be quiet. I think I was more on the quiet side <laughs> rather than the negotiation side. But what we did grow, growing in a large family, which becomes ends up being a sort of a community, is you really learn to be generous, to care about others others to see others and it's definitely a great path to not becoming self-centered and selfish and so sharing generosity um, teamwork collaboration pitching in all very much of my upbringing and my my family my parents you know they bought a uh three acres in a small new england town precisely because they wanted their children to have sort of like this little world where they could create Right, create games and play and, and invite friends over. And it was, the, you know, it was a safe and fun little world that their children could create. So that's, that's what my parents did. They got a few animals to kind of train us in being responsible. 
Right. So it was, you know, we had the chickens and the horses and the sheep and, you know, in the snow and the rain and the sunshine, whatever it was, we were as, you know, as six, seven, eight years old, there I was. So it's, again, training us in, in responsibility and tasks. And so that's in a nutshell, sort of what that, that was like. And for that's us, it was what, more, it sounds wonderful. It was what I knew. And then as I got out of that, and then people were like, whoa, 10 to 13. Then I realized that it wasn't, it wasn't the norm. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, certainly not. Um, I came from a very, very small family, hmm. but it sounds wonderful. So then you chose the life of ministry as well as the military. How did hmm. that experience shape what you currently do? I think as I was explaining my background, I think it would be understandable that growing up in that service-oriented family and background, right, and with a strong faith as well, um, ministry became an option for all of us. It wasn't, we, parents didn't pressure us, but it was, on, it was on the radar, it was on the shelf of options that were, um, that were encouraged to explore. So I'm, so that's how that sort of made sense. I, you know, I can't say that. Did I want to go? I, I don't know. At, at 18, I'm not sure what my motives were. I wanted to do something meaningful. I wanted to serve people. I wanted to make a difference in other people's lives. And I wanted to do something that would last in time and in eternity. So that's what, that's what drew me to that. And, and then during that time, I, then I thought about military chaplaincy as you know, the military is such a unique population that is sometimes underserved in some way and undercared for. And I wanted to do something as a Catholic priest, you, you generally serve Catholics and I wanted to serve a much wider and broader and diverse sector of humanity. And, and in their unique situation, I just thought it would be fascinating. And I think I had a lot to offer and that I would also grow and learn so much in the process. And that's, and that's exactly what happened. Now, all of this helps me now because I, because I want to continue to serve people. And I think building on these, these years of experience and knowledge, you know, being just granted very unique windows into people's lives, into what people experience and live, the highs and the lows. And I want to continue to, I think, I think I have a lot of value to offer to bring to people. I'm very comfortable in the, in this, that personal space, right? Where in the, in this sort of the coaching advising world, some are not comfortable there because it's, it's not, it's just, they're not accustomed to it. But for me, it's, it's where I'm comfortable and I love supporting people and walking with them. So it's, so as if I'm answering your question correctly, is all that has served me well to be where I'm at now. The challenge is that I'm, it's now sort of my own brand, right? I'm not representing another organization now. It's it's me. It's my name. So it's cr creating visibility and credibility around that because I no longer have an institution that sort of validates my credibility. But you've been able to observe um, from both sides. And one of the things that I perceive about both ministry and military and what you just touched on was that you have an organization behind you, which basically sets the standards, the parameters and the rules. Whereas when you're outside of that, it's a totally different um, life and environment. 
And I would imagine a lot of the people who you've ministered to within the military are having that trans having difficulty in transitioning as well from having the the large organization behind them to mm -hmm. now making decisions of their own. Yes, it's so interesting. Thing. I think change is difficult for us just as human beings, right? Our brain has, <laughs> has difficulties or it's just, it's, it just can be slow in adapting to change. And because safety and security is so important for us as human beings, we um, oftentimes we latch on to the known, even if it's not comfortable, but it's the known. And so we, we kind of want something wants us to stay there. And even in my life, I, I took probably 10 years to make my decision um, even though I wasn't happy, but it was, I was trying to make it work. But going to back to your, what you, the point that you're making is, and it, it goes with both with, and it, I think in also many corporate settings, it can be the same, but there's the military is a very specific identity and it's a unique experience that really a brotherhood, sisterhood that is, is very strong. Um, and then there's, there's this cultural aspect that, that um you you don't walk away from that right it's sort of this it's a sort of it's sort of a warped conception and they themselves will recognize it that you know we have to be that's sort of like walking away means that i'm weak you know so when i retire it means i'm walking away and it's no by no means is that the case but the the, the identity the institutional identity is so strong right, by the way they're trained and what they do I, I mean, I found it fascinating. It's so beautiful. But yes, transition, retirement is a very difficult decision for many of them. And stepping away from the uniform and from identity, which was, which people, they, they related to. And so it, it's very hard to do. But then once they get on the other side, oftentimes you see, well, you know, I'm, then they're saying, well, I don't know why it took so long <laughs> to make this decision, right? I'm loving it. Or others. You know, and, and we know that suicide and mental health challenges is a very common thing with people that leave the military for many reasons. But sometimes it is that people don't don't transition well. They don't have a place to go back to. They don't they they're, they don't have a foundation, a strong foundation to go to for whatever reason. Either what they went through, or maybe where they came from, or there's you know there's a family breakdown, or they just don't have the tools to to get on their feet. Um. So yes, that. But to your point, transition. It is very challenging. And then, and I would say the same about ministry that I've been with a lot of people, women and men who have been in, you know, in training for, to be religious, to be nuns, priests, seminarians. And, I'll, you know, at some point during the process, three, four, five, six, seven years in, and then they decide that they discern that this, that's not for them. But that, and that transition is very hard because it's a very sheltered and, and unique world where they're, 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 not, they're prepared to do a few specific things and not prepared to do a lot of the things that normal people do in civilian life. Right? And the, the network of supports are, are different. And so, and then, then there's my case and a lot of people who step away from active ministry as a priest, which is, which is a huge transition, not only professionally, but because ministry, um, touches on so many aspects of our person, right? Spiritually, psychologically, mentally, emotionally, socially. It's big. Yes, it's very much. And I think one of the biggest things I struggled with was my identity, the identity crisis, and then trying to 
you know, I took a sabbatical to sort of what I call coming home to myself to figure out who, because I felt I just got lost along the way by li- trying to live up to this identity, which was very valid, but but um, there was sort of like, a, there was an emptiness in that identity that I didn't know. I know it was no longer me, but I was just trying to be this minister, pastor, priest, whatever people expect you to be. And I found that that sort of wore me out. That's a long-winded answer to your question. (laughs) No, it was very interesting. Um, So one of that leads me to a quote of yours, which is only when you are home with yourself, will you be ready to welcome someone else into your home? Now, a lot of one of the points that someone has made, um, who someone made earlier to me was that, a lot of times people decide on ministry or the military um, because they believe that will fix some of the issues that they have had in their lives. However, when they leave, they have the same issues that they went in with. And knowing yourself is one of the biggest challenges and being a whole person in whatever you do. Um, Speak a little bit about that as a challenge with both ministry and also the military. Yes. Thank you. And and I think I would broaden it even to just sometimes in relationships. We step into, you know, commitments, hoping that that will fill maybe a void. I'm not saying that that's why everyone does it. Right? There's always different reasons. But um, in my case, I think that would, well, although it was unconscious, but it was, I was probably looking to fill a void of identity and a, a void of purpose. And, and I was probably walking, trying to walk away from things that I didn't, that I was just didn't feel was for me, whether it be small town New England. And, you know, the, that social sector, like, I want to get out of here, right? <laughs> and so, but that led me to then walking in, but into a, a new lifestyle, which, um, which, which I lived for, you know, for those years that we've talked about. So I did, and going back to the quote that you did, thankful, thank you for using that. And, and that's true to my own experience and working with couples and working with really with people is you know, coming home to ourselves is so important because it's from that place of strength and foundation that then we can really do so many things of, of purpose and of meaning. And, but when we, when we're not at home with ourselves, then we're constantly grabbing at things to fill the void. And I, I talk about relationships as well, because some people feel for whatever reason that they have to step into a committed relationship, that they have to have a boyfriend or girlfriend, that they have to, because there, maybe there's a lack of security in their own identity right? and, or everyone else is doing it. And so that means, must mean that I'm less. And, and then they, you know, then they make the mistake of, of stepping in, you know, sort of under pressure or, you know, not totally being honest with themselves, you know, and they step into these relationships and they make commitments and then, and, you know, maybe for sometimes the wrong reasons, but that's, I mean, that's what we do as human beings. 
we all have this great ability to have blind spots. We have this great ability to sort of compartmentalize things, to rationalize, and to make convince ourselves that something's going to work. And we do it with the best of intentions. Um, but it's so important just to be able to look at ourselves and, and to understand, well, why am I doing this? What am I looking for? And am I coming from a place of, of health, of wholeness, as you said? And so that the decisions that I'm making will be as wholesome as possible. Twenty, you know, as we look back, it's all, we always have better vision looking back on our lives. Um, sure. But I wanted, you know, it's it's important to work with people, and that's sort of what I try to do in in, in some way is work with people so that they can be as wholesome as possible and as much as home with themselves, so that they can show up better, whether it be in their romantic relationships or whether it be in their leadership relationships. Right in leadership relationships, but I also refer to parents. You know that that so this personal work um, is so important, and I I knew this before theoretically, but when I had to do my own journey, when I was you know when I hit rock bottom and was in deep crisis, and and I didn't have a choice really, and I had a choice, but I said, the only way out of this is is to get support and help. Right, to begin looking at myself with a lot more honesty because I was always looking at other people, you know, and so that was very challenging to do. I, I, it's, it's not, it's hard. It's challenging. We are resistant to it as human beings and because it affects the ego, because it's, it's sometimes we feel that we want to do things our own. This sort of, that this is an independent self-sufficient aspect of us as human beings that we don't want to need others. But the fact is, as human beings, we are interdependent. We do need, right? And if we look at just the way the world is created and nature, and every, every aspect of nature needs another aspect of nature to, to thrive. So, and that's so true also for us as human beings. Don't you find also um, that we need those years uh, to grow and that at a certain point in your life, you don't necessarily want or need to to toss out everything all the years of growth that you've lived through that those years of growth have brought you to today mm -hmm. and to where you are now and how important that is in moving forward and growing even more with um the knowledge and the insight that you get from today till tomorrow to tomorrow yes yeah, and and I would say that would be the case with, and I'm very grateful for that because the transition I've been through is very challenging, and I can tell, speak about other people that leave ministry or or religious life. You know, whether it be women or men, they um, oftentimes there's this they go to the opposite spectrum, right, where they reject religion, they reject God, and it's understandable with what they've been through that that happens. I just consider myself very fortunate that I was able to do this walk through this journey and integrate my past. And really I'm at to be at a place where I can, I can love my past. And with all the, the bright spots in the shadows and with all my mistakes that I made and with all the wonderful successes that I had, I love my past and I, it made me who I am. And so and that's why I talk about it so openly. My, you know, I can't just put these 30 years of life into boxes and pre almost pretend that they didn't exist. Um, I just, I don't consider that healthy. And um, that might be healthy for other people to do. Right? But with my journey, 
Um, I've been able to reconcile with a lot of things and I want to use that and leverage that to continue to, to serve people. And it's made me who I am. And I think there's so many wonderful things about that. Um, and I want to continue using that as I move forward. And I think that's, that's a wonderful thing because we, there's so much I can learn when I, but if I put my 30 years or in, in other people, when we put that sort of into a closet or into a box and we put it away, we we're letting go of a lot of valuable lessons and a lot of wisdom. And I think it's, it, it behooves us. It, it serves us well to open that closet, to open the box, even though it's painful. That's why we, sometimes we need someone to help us with that process. And, it, it leads to a much, much more integrity and a, a integrative and whole human being. So that's what you do now. You work with um, both uh, personal relationship building as well as leadership building. And in many ways, um, they're integrated because people take their personal lives into their business roles and vice versa. Um you also speak several languages and have lived in different countries. Culturally, there are huge differences. What would, or I'm assuming there are huge differences. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen um, with counseling in different countries and different languages? Um, challenges. Well, let me just say that there's different ways to, talk, to answer this question, but there's a few things. One is going, you know, being around so many different countries and cultures. And then when I was in Rome, I also, I ran a, a residence for people from that were like from 20 different countries in Asia and in Africa, Europe, South America. So such an enriching experience. There's so many windows into, into cultures and, and styles. So what I've come across is in the end the human person is the human person and our difficulties and challenges are generally the same all over the world now what i've also learned is it's it's so important to understand culture to understand uh, the way people express themselves their unique social situations that, and that because their problems can very much have to do with their social setting and a lot of invisible aspects about culture, right? That for a tourist, for someone who doesn't, we don't see those things. I just felt so blessed, you know, and, and blessed that in ministry, you're, you're not, you don't approach culture and people as a tourist, but you become part of the fabric. Um, some people adjust better than others. I, I think we might be coming from a big family. Also, you know, I have, I have, um, in, what would I say? I have two adopted siblings. I, we, we were very exposed. My parents made sure we were exposed to culture, that we were exposed to diversity. Um, and so that, I think I adapted maybe easier than others, but it was really just how do people, how does this, these people, this culture, how do they look at life? Right. And how do they experience their issue? I wouldn't say that I did it perfectly, but I, I think I adapted. Well, the challenge is that is you, to look look at people and look at their lives through their eyes not through mine maybe, maybe i don't know maybe that's a gift that i had or something that i developed through the experience 
but it's not hard because we all go with our little categories and, and ways of thinking and mentalities and that we view things through certain filters. And when you step into another culture and they view, they view things through different filters. Right? And often there's times it's just shades of difference, but the things that make a big difference. And when we can understand those shades and people also value that and appreciate that. That's, that's the way to reach the heart of people is understanding their filters and how they view things. And that's why also, you know, diversity, working in the space of diversity, equity, and inclusion for me is very important because I'm passionate about the dignity of the human person. And I think my background serves me well in all of this and in how, how that, how diversity, equity, and inclusion is, is such, it's a thorny area, right? That it could be conflictive or, or difficult for a lot of people, but it's, it's so important because it's just, it's how we respect, love, and care and view people. And as they are. So thank you for that question, Anne. Yeah, and that's so important, especially these days in the business world where we're not meeting people in person. Very often we're meeting people in through um, virtual reality or a virtual setting like we are now on Zoom, um, where you have an impression but you're not in the same space. And so it's really important to leave your mind open to the possibility of where someone is coming from without really knowing. Whereas if you meet somebody in a room in a place, you, mm. you may have a, a different observation or sense about that person. Definitely. No, there's a lot more than the personal, interpersonal interaction and done it and physically in person. So meaningful. But the, you know, the way the world has developed and grown, there's so much of the virtual reality. Training, cultural training and global training for leaders in this is so important. You know, how do we, it's just, it's about how do we, you know, the cross boundaries leadership that I have to have to have leadership in a lot of different cultures, not me, but people that do that. And so education around that is so important to how they, because people, Different cultures view leadership in different ways. And so you have to be able to speak their language. Otherwise, you, you won't be able to, to relate properly. And going back to what you said about my service, it really, my services are, it's, and it's hard to put into words, but yes, a lot of it has to do with relationships. It has to do with leadership because in the end, leadership is relationships. It's how you communicate and how you relate to people. And first and foremost, how you relate to yourself. And then how you relate to, whether it be in your family, your loved ones, and then how I relate to the people I serve through my authority and my leadership. And, and I use the word love also in leadership because leadership is love. How much do we love our people and care for them and, and lead them? And I don't mean softly. I don't mean love in a soft way. Right? Love is not a soft word at all. Um. We want to communicate clearly. We want to care for our people. I think true charity and true love is clarity. Right? And also knowing how to hold people accountable. But it's always done from the, the right place. The place that we're on a mission. We have a common goal. And let's achieve this. And when we don't achieve it, well, we have to hold ourselves accountable. We have to have conversations, difficult conversations, but because we want to be better. And as a leader, I want you to be better. So... You do work with business people, 
business people who are interested in um, their leadership skills and how to move forward in the best possible way. How do people, how, where can people find you? How do they, how can they reach out to you? Um, and can they book a call with you? They can. Yes. Thank you very much. So yes, I do. I do work with people and there's the sort of, there's the coaching element there's the individual side to what I do of services. And, and then there's the speaking side, whether what I call educational side of conferences, courses, workshops, and things like that, or especially around how we develop human beings and how we use our leadership skills or how we develop those and about organizational aspects as well. So people can reach me. LinkedIn is very easy because I'm there I'm under Matthew Brackett. And it's always an easy way to find me. And then my website, and there's a little, there'll be, a, there's a button there where they can book a call with me. And my you know, website is bracketalliance.com and Matthew Brackett on LinkedIn. I'm also on Instagram at Matthew Brackett Alliance. So those are the different places that they can find me as well on Facebook at Bracket Alliance. So all of that information will be in the show notes. So definitely check out the show notes. And, um, this has been wonderful. I've got a lot to think about. <laughs> and um, I, I do attend a lot of conferences. And the, 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 the question as well is how we all represent ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. And how, how we show up. And um, learning more, as you said, learning more about yourselves uh, is even more critical now than it's ever been. Yes. Thank you, Anne. It is self-awareness is a huge thing for couples, parents. It's a huge thing for people in leadership roles. And I, if we were, you know, and a lot of the things that I read, if we were to say, what is one of the most difficult, difficult aspects of leadership or what's, what's the, where's the vacuum? Where's the, where's there a great need? It's in self-awareness. Very well said. Well, Matthew, I thank you so very much for joining me today. Um, as I've said, all of the information will be in the show notes. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about more of what you do in uh, this coming year. Thank you. Thank you very much, Anne, for the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Please follow us, submit a rating and review, and share us with your friends. This helps our message reach more listeners. For more information about my products, visit justwantedtoask.com. Thank you.